I'm just going to get out of the way, Trav. This is Late to the Party with Travis Tate. Everybody welcome in. Hey, I think that's a new record for how, <laughs> how fast we started the episode. Uh, when's the last time you took a dip into uh, the Guinness Book of World Records? Oh, honestly, it's probably been since I was in junior high. It's, it's funny because that, that will come up later. Oh, wow. Guinness Book of World Records will come up later. I just referenced, and I don't know if, if it's the same reference that I made, because I just watched an episode of Holy Moly with my wife last night. Oh, my night. God. We're going we're gonna to do the same thing. Look, we're, we're just going to get my lame out of the way. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the lame thing, because the fat twins from... Uh, I The world's fattest twins, right? <laughs> yeah. Those two guys. But it's the reason that they're the lamest goddamn thing in the universe, like... Gabe and I were watching that, having a great time. Holy moly is, holy moly is extremely on point. <laughs> it is this, this second season, and, and I'm just having a blast watching it. Up until some guy actually looked at the and again it, to take a moment and talk about these two guys. It was a set of of identical twins who were both. I, I think the only word is cherubic in nature. Yeah, they were. They were very. I mean, they seemed very like rosy very cheeks, nice guys. Very, yeah, sweet. Very just, uh, genuine. Very kind of uh, just happy and floaty. Mm-hmm. Until the moment they looked at the camera and said, "You know, really, our our uh, dream in life kind of is to meet a set of twin girls that we can marry and live together with." And I. <laughs> I just I just started crumpling in on myself <laughs> and just like the 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 sheer kind of it, like they became infinitely like they were kind of they, from the beginning they were a little off-putting <laughs> but at that moment like just this whole this flood of like every like reanalyzing everything that they had said and going oh oh these guys are gross yeah I wonder that I mean that would be kind of an interesting uh science experiment to have twins marry twins and then see how identical their kids end up being like if they I had really kids have. at the same time Yeah just to see how how the Travis DNA breaks down in people <laughs> of like they need to they need to have relations at the exact same time and they yeah. need to make sure they need to make sure that the twins' ovulation lines up. They have to make sure that the seed finds purchase at the <laughs> same time. Like it, it just—it's turtles all the way down for creepiness on this. Like, because you, you say that you say that is kind of a kind of a an offshoot, just kind of like oh, like like what would it be like if they did? I guarantee you, both of them like. Like they look each other in the eye and rub their hands together and go, "What if? What if?" <laughs> like the plan, the planning on that is. I feel, I feel bad. There are twin women out there that I feel genuinely bad for. I call them twimmen. Make a run at it, twimmen. Yes, twimmen. <laughs> <laughs> but but like that, that it's funny because we also I just because of who they were. I look at them like. Yeah, they're trying to do the they're trying to do the the motorcycle twins from the the classic episode of The Simpsons or the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> I've tried to use that as a punchline in several jokes, and it never works because people don't remember them. So I'm glad that you it's, remember them. It's so uniquely from uh, I don't know what the cutoff age for that would be. It's I don't know. There's probably 
like a a swath of book fair things. Like also probably Guinness <laughs> just Guinness figured out at some point that like you know world's fattest twins was a weird thing to. I, it, although to be to be fair, um, some of the like, I know someone who has the world record for most rubber sharks, <laughs> like most wow. toy sharks. That's a that's an interesting and, one. And uh, I'm familiar with his journey on getting that record. And it was more of a just like Guinness. I get the sense that Guinness is sick of everyone and just they have three or four things that are a real pain in the ass to do that they <laughs> they front loaded of like, well, you need this sort of verifiable thing. First of all, is it a record? How do we know that your record is a record? Is there someone near you who can like they have kind of a. A bunch of things that anybody lazy is just going to go, no. Like referee people. Is it something like that. I don't know. And that I guess that goes to like, I, I have no idea what it would take to certify oneself as a Guinness World of Record, Guinness Recorder. I think the thing that stood out to me about the world's fattest twins wasn't the fact that they were, in fact, the world's fattest twins. It's that picture where you see them both the on little motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's they're, what stands out to me. They're both on little motorcycles. They both have those sunglasses and they both have <laughs> little cowboy hats and little mustaches. I mean, that's what made it. It was that visual. They could have been doing anything, literally anything. And it's I, uh, them riding motorcycles <laughs> side by the other side. Thing, the other thing I got out of those two that I was telling Gabe, I'm like, you, you feel like at one point, one of them had to look at the other and go, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put on a lot of pounds. Like I don't really, I don't really feel like losing this and we need to keep the brand going. One of them just accidentally started losing weight. Oh no, I'm I, cutting down on bread. I, I don't, I, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's morbidly fascinating. See, I was wondering like, do they eat every meal together? But after they said they want to marry a, a set of twin sisters, I was like, they like definitely they, eat every meal together. It's like a it's like a GI Joe thing. Like one of them eats and the other one absorbs it. <laughs> I came up with that on the fly, and then it, my initial thing, like I, I called an audible. My initial thing was that like they chew up food and spit it into each other's mouths. But I I found that the uh, GI Joe was much more palatable. I like to think <laughs> of, that if one of them burns their hand, the other one also feels it. Much like uh, is it <laughs> Tamox and Zamot? Were that their names? That sounds very familiar, yeah. I think that is. It was something gooby like that. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, holy moly, you're great. These two twins. Take it on the road, twins. With your <laughs> cheesy motorcycles. And they were very bad at miniature golf, too. <laughs> oh, they, they well, were not they, good. They were bad at, oh, they were, they were bad at miniature golf, and they were just bad at the, uh, at the mini games in general. They, they were the ones that uh on the uh the whatever the wave hole is uh the first one didn't even make it to one of the sprayers yeah he fell off after like one step he immediately went over the side yeah (laughs) the best part was uh the one that went to round two uh his ball got eaten by a gopher which was fun yes yes that's right he did poorly on the hole he did (laughs) he also fell off of the he fell off of the rodeo gopher uh, in one. Oh second. yeah, one second, and that was <laughs> the, a generous yeah, second. I got a good laugh. The the, uh, the comment was the lady after him, like after she'd been on three seconds. Uh, I think 
I can't remember if it was Tacitor or, or Riggle just basically said, like, she's just doing it for fun now. <laughs> just rub it in it just by She beat it just by holding on, and now she's just kind of rubbing <laughs> it in his face after three seconds. It would be nice to uh, go through life with somebody exactly like you, though. I get. I think those they're never no, really no, alone. No. They've all, they're always there for each other. You got to give them that. Travis, I live in my body, and I can say without a <laughs> doubt that I do not. I do not want someone just like me around. <laughs> I wonder if they if one of them says something stupid and the other one looks at them like, "Is that what I look like all day long? How do it, I live with myself?" It is just the whole concept of the whole concept of them being that uh, just like people in their life cannot handle them being around each other that much. They just can't. <laughs> I, they, they did have good attitudes, though. I'm going to give them that they they were positive. Uh, I don't I think maybe borderline clueless at their abilities, but <laughs> <laughs> a certain naivete. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of makes life a little better. I would imagine if you can go through life not realizing uh, your limitations, that would that'd be kind of nice, actually. Yeah. I, and, and holy moly got what they wanted. It was just the sheer gimmick of it, really. Gimmick is the, is the right word. Just imagining trying to find a set of twin girls. <laughs> Ah, that's a mind blower right there. How, okay. I know that that is their intent. How do you even begin? Cause you, you can't just find twin women. You have to find two twin women who are also into that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure they've got to be out there. There's, there's somebody for everybody. <laughs> I, I, th- those two make me question that 100%. It makes me like, what if they were like Siamese sisters? Would you go for that? Would is that I? is that no like them? <laughs> them? Is is that too far? <laughs> that's like well, okay. That's a little. That's a little too close. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Out. I got the feeling they would have been just fine if they had grown up connected. They would have been like, yeah, this is cool. They were a weird. They were a weird pair. Have you ever in your life seen a Siamese twin in the wild, Travis? No, I haven't. <clears throat> I. Uh, it would be cool. I mean, I I don't know. I don't. I, it would just be seeing someone who has circumstances. Well, you know what? You, you know what I really like about people is when somebody has experienced something that I couldn't even possibly imagine. Yeah. And can talk about it. That's what I like. So I think it would be really cool to you know just ask it would how, how do you how do you get through your day and you know what's it like and it would definitely be interesting to hear that person's story i know myself well enough to know i am at the ripe age of 43 i am still not nearly mature enough to actually just be cool in the presence of something like that if i was if if i was a siamese stand-up comic <laughs> right you got one one is the straight man and one has got to be, whether it's man or woman, one's the straight person, and the other one's got to be the doofus, right? Maybe even like a ventriloquist dummy. Play I, that. I have no con- I have no concept of how that goes. I think that would be fun. I would pay good money to see that. If anybody out there is connected to a sibling and they ever wanted to try stand-up comedy, contact me. <laughs> Let's make this happen. 
I don't I have I have no concept of even how common that is. It's very uh I'm taking I mean, that by that's all. got it's America's just, got talent written all over it. Just like I said if if someone has a a funny haircut, I can't keep myself from uh <laughs> I can't keep myself from like being subtle about like like I'm yeah, it's very obvious that I so again, like y- y- Absolutely, the first thing you need to be is respectful, and I would not be. I just would. I'm just dumb. I think you'd be fine. I honestly do. I think you'd be fine. I think they definitely hear worse things than anything you would say, like dumb questions. My my lame, my lame of the week is me trying to be around anyone who has anything, anything outside of uh, seemingly societal norms going on. I'm just. I'm an awkward person. That's my lame for the week, Travis. <laughs> but world's fattest twins. I definitely want to meet them. I wonder if they're I, still uh, around. I don't know if the, uh, I'm going to see if I can figure that out, Travis. Why don't you uh, hit me with something? I wonder if, they, if they're still like holding the mantle or if they made it, it like, like you said earlier, if one of them those starts to get do thin, seem, do they both get thin? Those two definitely seemed... Um, well, I don't know. Now that I'm I'm looking at pictures of these two guys, I'm uh, trying to get to. This is on Pinterest. Why is this on? Why is a Pinterest link the first one on here? Let me. That is interesting. It'd be interesting to see how life affects twins in the in the same way. As far as like you know ailments, things like that, career paths. If you're that close, do you go into the same field? I don't know. I'm not a twin. If you're a twin, let me know. Uh, there's a there is a Jeremy Irons movie about that. Oh yeah. No, no. There's a there's a movie called Dead Ringers. I think it's it's kind of a light horror, like disturbing movie about uh, twin gynecologists who are bad. Like if the world's fattest twins, if one of them loses a foot to diabetes, is the whole gimmick shot? I don't know. These are the things I wonder about when I lay in bed at night. Why are these always, why are like the ones that are genuine about this Pinterest links? This is weirding me out. I guess Pinterest is the last social media platform that has compassion. I don't know. No, well, okay. The (laughs) McGuire twins. Uh, Yeah. They passed away in 1979, Travis. We just, what? Oh man. (laughs) I was only two. We're born in 1946. Boy, they didn't make it very long. 35. Oh, that's not very long. They Let's both see. died the same year. Uh, Billy McRae died on. Oh, oh boy, boy, he he died like he lived. Travis Billy McRae died July fourteenth, nineteen seventy nine, at the age of thirty two, following a oh my motorcycle gosh. accident. I can only assume a um, a very tiny motorcycle. En <laughs> route to Ripley's, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Oh, you know what? Okay. Benny lived for 21 more years until his death at 54 in, in March 26, 2001. He missed it, Trav. He died just about the right time of heart failure. Wow. I didn't know there was such a big separation between their deaths. That's a tragic story. Where's that movie? I want to see that movie. I mean, who's going to who's gonna play the twins? I'd have to look up their life. You know, I see a picture of them wrestling. Oh, yeah? Like here. pro wrestling? They gained popularity as tag team wrestlers and in a carnival stunt show. Oh, even better. 
So I got to tell got, you, they got some stuff. July fourteenth, nineteen seventy nine. That's the day my younger brother was born. Ooh, my brother, my brother Eric. That's that is quite a coincidence. Weird. World's fattest twins. Wow, Who would have known we'd have got they, fifteen minutes they out of them? Seven hundred twenty-three pounds and seven hundred forty-five pounds, respectively. Oh, I didn't realize they were, they were that big. Seven oh, hundred. I was going to say that those two looked bigger, but I'm clearly not right at all. Okay, well, these guys on Holy Moly were not that big. <laughs> Seemingly, I bet they were. Depending on how tall they were, I bet they were three fifty to four hundred. Yeah. That's that's pittance. A mere pittance next to <laughs> 750 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Big dudes. All right. Well, I think we finished that one. Cool. Trav, what is cool or drool this week with you, my guy? Okay. I know I know this is something that uh, you're going to bring up, too. Uh, okay. I, so I, we're going we're gonna to do a dually. This way we don't yeah. have to worry about not talking for too long. Yeah. So, uh and I watched these movies a couple weeks ago, kind of before all of the, uh, you know, protests and all that stuff kind of started. Uh, but it is kind of interesting to think back on it. Now I watched, uh, escape from, uh, New York and escape from LA. They're both on Amazon prime. Uh, it's a tale of two movies. Um, yeah, I, no, no, actually Travis, it's not, it's two <laughs> movies that are really the tale of one movie. <laughs> I, I plugged them both together for this, and I know you were going to talk about them as well. Uh, one movie, pretty dang good. You know, a lot of fun. The other movie, just not good at all. It is, it is almost literally the same movie. It is almost literally the same script. They were just like, but what if L.A.? <laughs> what if instead of Ernest Borgnine, it's Steve Buscemi? Ernest Borgnine is kind of the Steve Buscemi character melded with the... Um, uh, what's it? What's his name? Um, Harry Dean Stanton. Name guy with the Harry Dean Stanton character. Yeah, except uh, Steve Buscemi did not have Adrian Barbeau with him. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. That's a that's a oh, big Adrian. check in the Harry Boy. Dean Stanton corner. Adrian Barbeau is one of those gorgeous type women that there's something there is something about Adrian Barbeau that is unlike anyone else. Yeah, I, don't I know, know exactly how what you mean. Explain what I mean. Like watching that I movie, know. I felt like I was like, I think I recognize her from something, and it's because I guess she was on that. Uh, was it Alice or Flo oh, is or that one where of you recognize her from? Yeah, from when I was a kid. Uh, For me, it's either Swamp Thing or I think she was in Cannonball Run movies. Yeah, yeah, she was in those too. Man, she's just strikingly beautiful person, though. You gotta. Yeah, just very, very unconventional woman. I was like, she should and, have been a much a bigger star. Actress. Yeah, yeah, she did fine. Yeah, it was it was a highlight of the movie, if you ask me. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think so. In Escape from New York? Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, we talked last week of, um, I, I just like I said, I think I had sort of a picture in my head of Pam Greer. Uh, just that there, I know there's a 70s movie somewhere where it's like dark and it's Pam Greer. And I thought that's where I'd seen her in Escape from New York. She's clearly not in it all. Not a real, not a great role for, Pam Greer's role as a, a trans woman in Escape from New York, not, not a really forward thinking role and, and really not a very respectful role to someone 
as talented as Pam Greer. <laughs> yeah, she definitely had some more stuff coming up uh, from T- Tarantino, which was surprisingly more uh, <laughs> a little more uh, flattering toward her than than yes, this Tarantino role. <laughs> but yeah, like it, I was not. I guess maybe that that also could have been a, a drool for the week of like that was not a real good thing to do to Pam Greer. <laughs> The first movie, though, lots of fun. Just yeah, amazing fun. cast. Very, very corny. Yeah. Um, but also very fun. Like, Lee Van Cleef out there looking like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka was uh, running running island prisons these days. You know what, though? Lee Van Cleef. With his gold earring. When you see him in, like, uh, he's in The Lee Good, Van The Bad, Cleef, and The Ugly. He's yeah. in, uh, God, what's the, there's another, I want to say Once Upon a Time in the West. Maybe that's not I think it. That is cor- I think that, you know, I, I, I ain't no kind of Western scientist, so I'm not going to try and wade into that. But he's really good in some of those old Westerns. He's a, you know, he's kind of a menacing character. So to see him in this, it's a little bit different, but it was still cool to see him in something. Then you got yeah, Ernest um, Borgnine, who's always. Maybe, maybe, call, maybe comb your hair, Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> uh, that whole, like, just letting it. Letting it fly gives you very much the I am a disheveled elderly man. That's the early like, 80s, man. You got to just let it flow. Oh, man. No. It, it, Travis. <laughs> Travis, do you know what happened in 1988? What? The Floby? In 19... I, I struggled to... Like, I was taken aback by this of like, oh, my God, how does that even happen? In 1988, the crime rate rose by 400%. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm usually pretty okay with, um, I'm usually pretty okay with, you don't need context for everything, but when you make a claim, like the crime rate rose by 400%, like what did that? Yeah. You got to kind of explain that one or just say it's a dystopian future. (laughs) It was a, so you got Donald Pleasance as the president of the United States of America, really unlikable president, uh, they nailed that if if you didn't want to like them. You got Isaac Hayes in there. We mentioned Harry Dean Stanton. Duke of Adrian New York, Arbo. very yeah. good. Yeah. Just a lot of, like, not, like, amazing action, but it was good shoot 'em up 80s action, you know? Oh, well, I mean, it's hard to talk about 80s action. Like, um, 80, like uh, action choreography really just kind of wasn't up, up to snuff at that, or, or definitely not up to modern snuff. But Kurt Russell was ahead of his time on spandex. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and belly tattoos. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, but, fun character, fun movie, just blowing people up. It, it's fun. Um, where A place where Escape from New York uh, sort of triumphs, where L.A. absolutely fails, is the stuff that went on, like the New York was kind of uh, terrifying might be a strong enough word strong word but like scary or unnerving in a way that escape from la all the all of it was kind of silly oh yeah yeah like the part early on where snake runs into random woman in a rundown diner and she just straight up gets pulled from through the floor and you never see her again that was actually kurt russell russell's first wife before golden oh, no kidding. yeah yeah i looked that up yeah. That's was that was aware. the significance of her being there. <laughs> <laughs> did she did she leave him over that? I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty apropos. And, um, she should have seen it coming. 
at that point. <laughs> and again, again, Escape from L.A., uh, what is that woman's name? Escape from L.A. definitely has that character. Uh, Val- Valeria, Valeria uh, Golino. I, I've never heard her name spoken out loud. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything else that that lady was in, but I, I mean, she I've was fine her, in the role. She's she, whatever. She was, she was she was absolutely that character. Mm-hmm. They gave her they gave her more um, more of a. I don't. I, I think fleshed out is not the right term to use. She got <laughs> to be alive for longer. Yeah, but died died just as unceremoniously, but just not in any kind of way that felt like it had impact really the three things she also she also was apparently cosplaying as elvira mistress of the dark <laughs> i don't know if you remember her character that well but uh she was designated the bad bangs character oh i was always a fan of elvira elvira probably still am today certainly certainly let's reboot elvira, elvira. bad bangs <laughs> So there was three things that stood out to me about uh, Escape from L.A. in particular. Okay. I wonder, so if, they, I wonder if they're the th- same three things that stood out to you. Do you want me to name them? Please. Okay. Um, surfing. Uh, the surfing scene is, well, okay, this is, this is part of a thing that's a bit of a problem with uh, Escape from L.A. in that Escape from L.A. is largely just, it functions as a series of vignettes. Yeah, it, and it truly the does. the surfing scene is basically, this has no plot significance. We just wanted to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, because the bad guys take him to the outskirts of town to kill him. He escapes. Then a, a giant wave comes, and he gets a surfboard from uh, old, uh, what's Peter his name? Fonda. Yeah, Peter Fonda. And then he surfs back into town. That's pretty much it. He, he surfs back into attacking Steve Buscemi, which if there's <laughs> anything good I can say about the movie is that Steve Buscemi had a, a starring role. <laughs> well, starring. He, Steve Buscemi had a good, a good meaty role. He did. There, another thing As that... Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that stood out to me was it was a smaller but also very meaty role. It was um, the the plastic surgeon, our, uh, our good buddy... Yeah. Okay, and that one was also a 1 billion percent vignette of... Because Escape from New York, I don't think it plays any off of, like, here is a New York trope, and it's it's not something like... They didn't have, like, a a trope where there was just a New York Yankees thing, or there was, like, "Ah, the hot dog vendors have gone wild. (laughs) The Escape from L.A. thing, like, the Bruce Campbell role was specifically... Oh, these Hollywood types and their plastic surgery. And you know what, Bo? If you if you look at them, they, that's kind of how women are getting their plastic surgery done now. There was like the cat women. You know what I mean? There was that was a, a real th- thing in the movie. There were a few of those. The there was like at least one of those I looked at and said that that actually looks like a woman that I have seen before. It looks like a weird Instagram lady. <laughs> but I will also say that Bruce Campbell with the makeup looked. He didn't look. Uh, he didn't look off-putting, except for that you know it's Bruce Candle <laughs> under the ma- Bruce Candle, yes, Bruce Candle, Bruce Candle under the makeup. He seemed like Robbie Rotten. Are you familiar with that character from uh, it's is like that the Crazy guy? Town or something? Is that the, uh, 
from Crazy Town? No, maybe not Crazy Town. It was a kid's show when, when my kids were young. I was thinking it was the, isn't it Big, Big Bad Beetleborgs that has the blue ghost guy? Oh, yeah. That's that's a good comparison, too. Is that the guy that you're talking about? No, it's a or different ta- character. Okay. okay, I do know. No, you know what? You're right. I. It's from... Uh, Something Town. I, I, I don't know. And there was like from a jock. Crazy Town is the... No, Crazy Town is the band that come lady. Okay. Come well, this show had it had like a jock character. It had Robbie Rotten, and then it had a like a twelve year old girl with pink hair. That was like I the smart is it Lazy one. Town. Lazy that Town. Called? That's it. Lazy Town. Okay. Good God! Why do I even know that stuff? Oh, it was a terrible show. I hated it. My kids watched it though. They're like, "This is so cool." I'm like, "This is garbage." Yeah, Ugh. but. You, you are right that Bruce Campbell looked a bit like that guy. And, but also, that part is so fast. That part mm-hmm. happens so quickly. And they just get away almost right away. And Snake <laughs> was going to leave Elvira. Yeah, he almost did. Darn close. Uh, oh, I, I just thought of another thing that stood out to me. Uh, the basketball scene. Why? Yeah. <laughs> he has to go it was cor- a popular trope. coast it was to coast. a popular trope at the times. I could... Uh, <laughs> Let me um, let me just direct you to Alien Resurrection <laughs> for the unnecessary basketball scene. Um, he had to keep making layups coast to coast, or he was gonna die. Everyone saw the success of Air Bud and said, "We need to kind of <laughs> do that, I guess." <laughs> Air Snake Pliskin. I think it was probably like what were they in an actual location at that point? I think they were in like the Coliseum. Where USC plays, I think. And I guess that's again. That's the point is, um, Escape from LA largely seems like, wow, we're gonna we're gonna do a send up of Hollywood. <laughs> and I maybe it's, I guess maybe if you're more California centric, you look at that and say like, oh, this is this is what they're trying to dunk on right now. Could be, yeah. I don't it, know. Was, I, it was. I weird. can't tell you for a minute. It's the same thing. Like the surfing is the surfing there because like, dude, bros. Like, is this? <laughs> I think so. I think I that's know. why it's there. The other thing that it's, stood out to me was the hang gliding scene. The hang gliding scene again, also a just a trashy vignette of Yeah. I mean that's not how hang glides work or hang gliders. They they the good guys hang glide in and then they just kind of swoop around like they're the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Like they go up, they go down, yeah. they change direction. That's not how hang gliders work. You just well, can't. Once you start. LA, that's how they work. Well, I mean, no, they could go up though. When you hang glide, you just are basically trying to get as far as you can before you lose all your altitude. You don't get to go up into the air, especially when you're down low to the ground. Well, they also didn't strike me as very well-built hang gliders either. No. (laughs) It was, it's again like uh, Escape from LA, kind of a, like by no measure is it a good movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, also it was uh, when, when Elvira died, she was talking about, LA being the last bastion of true freedom. Do you remember what her her true idea of freedom was? I don't remember. Getting to wear a fur coat. <laughs> the last thing she says, because she's talking about, she is talking to him about like, yeah, you know, it's LA. It's the last pe- place people are truly free. And she turns around and goes like, can still wear a fur coat here and get away with it. Bang, dead. <laughs> well, that's what would happen if you really did that in LA. Somebody would... Would come after you for sure. 
fur coats are not the not the cool thing anymore. Have you ever seen a um, real fur coat? I don't know. I have my, no idea. My great grandma had fur coats because uh, my grandparents had a mink farm when my when my dad was young. <laughs> So they would raise mink, and so my great-grandma had these fur coats, and I remember when she passed away, it was like a discussion in the family who got the fur coats, and then I was looking at the fur coats, and they still had, like, the heads of the mink on the end. And I'm like, this, oh, is, this is nightmare fuel. Why would somebody want this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, did you uh, – so could you tell me this? What was the thing that they were trying to save in either movie? Uh, the first one was the president himself because he but got, that wasn't, that wasn't the thing that they were concerned. So that I know in the first movie, they're trying to save the president in the second movie. They're trying to save the president's daughter. The president's daughter but in yeah. either cases, in both cases, those two characters were expendable. They yeah. weren't worried about in escape from New York. They weren't ultimately worried about him saving the president. They were worried about what, whatever it was that was in the suitcase. He had, yeah, a suitcase. They weren't worried about, um, they weren't saving, worried about, they were definitely not worried about saving the president's daughter. They were worried about whatever she had on that, that cute little lifesaver DVD. And the president in the second movie, Escape from LA, that was Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, right? Yes, it was. Playing a bad guy. Ooh, what a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a good job of it. Yeah. He was a good actor. We didn't he give was, him enough credit for being Uncle part, Ben. Like, he, they didn't really give him enough screen time. Him and meatloaf. Boy, don't you wish you had more meatloaf? I always want more meatloaf with little barbecue yeah. sauce on there. Mm-mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, and uh, I've heard this other places. Did you did you take note at the end when uh, they start shooting at his hologram? All of the guys, several of the guys shooting are shooting straight across at each other. Yes. I I said that to my son. I was like, they're shooting each other. Why aren't they dropping? (laughs) Yeah. They're just shooting straight at the hologram and they've got him surrounded. So they're essentially hitting each other. Smart. Very interesting gambit on uh, snakes part, considering that in escape from New York, he definitely had a virus. Whereas it was just, it was just severe flu in the second one where he had set up the hologram, I guess, assuming that, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know. Do you think he knew that it was, that's a, that's a bit of, I don't know if I'd call it a plot hole so much as are we supposed to be led to believe at that point that snake knew that it wasn't really a virus? Probably. I think, yeah, but maybe the he just lady, assumed it. lady gave him a scratchy on the hand and gave him a virus. I think that's what we're supposed. That was was that the first or second one? That was the second one. The second one. So the second one had Stacy Keach in it. In the, yes. Okay, I could. Stacey I almost Keech forgot is that. Lee Van Cleef in the second one. All uh, right. Okay. I almost started getting them confused at that point. It it's because they really are kind of the same movie. There is there is very little, like all of <laughs> the things that happen are very similar in the two movies. I mean. The, the character of the president's daughter kind of actually exists in uh, Escape from New York. It's just that she goes down with the plane in the first one, and she's just that same revolutionary, but she goes down with the plane in the first movie. True. Yeah. Presidents, watch your daughters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the Lee Van Cleef and the St- Stacey Keach, I need to look at this so I know that I'm saying the name right. It's Lee Von Cleef, I think. Lee, Lee Van Cleef, yeah. Is it Van yeah. or Vaughn? 
V-A-N. Okay. I guess it's up to, again, I don't know that I've heard it said out loud, so I just got to make guesses. Um, Steve Buscemi was def- definitely kind of the the Harry Dean Stanton and the Ernest Borgnine character together, which by the end of the movie was Steve Buscemi bad. He was, he was one of those all I'll stab anybody in the back type characters. Yeah. So was Ernest Borg seven of nine. He was the same way too, though. You, f- yeah. you thought he was, he was snakes buddy, but turns out he was playing him for a fool the whole time. Yeah. What a uh, cat. There, there was pretty much the, the Isaac Hayes character was definitely in the, in the other one. I get, I guess you got to say that Pam Greer was the Adrian Barbeau. I don't know if that lines up exactly, but maybe it was the original reboot. They just didn't call it a reboot because they basically yeah. just did the same thing. Um, a, a, another couple of things about that movie of, um, wh- why did, why did snake do what he did at the end of the movie? <laughs> Cause at the end of at the end of escape from New York. So he's still a fugitive at the end. Like they consider him a fugitive because he does the stuff at the end of escape from LA. Right. At the end of escape from New York. They just let him go and him and, and he, he gets Lee Van Cleef back by not letting him call him snake. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Which there's, it, there's not a lot. Right away, they right away do that. Like what, why does he want people to call him snake? And then, you know, turn it around, turn it around, crisscross applesauce, and then make him call him Snake at the end. Maybe that's just a running gag in his life. Call me Snake, yes. call me Snake, and then somebody calls him Snake and goes, "Don't call me Snake." Ah, don't call me Snake. <laughs> but he he t- he told uh, actually he told both of them. He told Lee Van Cleef and he told Stacy Keach he was going to kill him, and he didn't kill either of them. Nope, not a man of his word. Not a man of his word. Snake, <laughs> come on, Snake. You can't trust but a guy yeah, named also, Snake? Why did he shut down the entire electronics of the world? What I guess to the, take us back to the Stone Age. And then say welcome to the human race? To nobody? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would be... I'm not kidding. I would... Every once in a while, there's an entertainment property where something happens in it, and I genuinely want to know how the thing like um uh, there was a movie called strange days uh it was with juliette lewis and uh um voldemort who's the guy who was voldemort again oh ray fines yeah old ralph fines it was this ralph fines movie in the in the 90s that was about weird designer drugs and stuff but it had uh to me at the time 90s jake who was working in a movie theater it had the most dynamic, compelling trailer that really kind of had nothing to do with the movie. Hmm. And the movie, the movie's not good. The movie's just basically uninteresting. But it always fascinated me. Like, how did this really stylish trailer get made for a movie that just is a big nothing? It sounds like they should have hired the director of the trailer to direct the movie. And uh, I think Escape from L.A., probably has a real fascinating history of how it got made at all. But specifically that bit at the end where he lights a cigarette, looks into the camera, it goes black and he says, welcome to the human race. Like, <laughs> who, how did that even happen? It, makes it doesn't you, make any sense. Makes you wonder, was Kurt Russell, uh, 
did he sign for a two movie deal when he made the first one or was he just really hard up and not getting a lot of roles? So he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I think he has production credit on it. So I think that one largely happened because of him. Hmm. Wow. But, uh, yeah, like that, but also that, that reminds me a little bit. Trav, do you got a little more time to chat? Sure. Do you remember in the nineties? I don't know if this happens anymore, but do you remember in night in the nineties, the trailer, like the teaser trailer for movie that has nothing to do with the movie at all. Uh, another specific, another specific example that comes to mind. Do you remember the teaser trailers for the movie toys featuring Robin Williams, where he was talking in the green field? A little bit. I remember the movie more than the trailer. There was a, this, this was a movie that also was in theaters when I was working at a theater. So I saw a lot of those. There was a series of teasers where he was just in this green field, just Robin Williams talking about this, like just vamping. Cause that's all Robin Williams knew how to do mm-hmm. with and other you people's material. You, you, you eventually found out that that was just a sound stage anyway, but it was for the movie toys and it had nothing to do with it. And I kind of remember there being, you know, a few things like that, but I don't know. Trav, I don't know if that happens anymore. No, because they put the entire movie in the trailer nowadays. Yeah. They leave nothing to the imagination. That's something people complain about. But if you go back like the like 60s and 70s stuff, they don't know. They don't show you just show you all the scenes, but they have somebody saying like, ah, Snake Plissken caught again. He's forced to go to New York. And then title card. Escape from New York. <laughs> Kurt Russell is Snake Plissken in this movie where you're going to see him, you know, fight through this. He's going to meet Isaac Hayes. He certainly doesn't get along with Harry Dean Stanton. Adrian Barbeau, right? Ernest Borgnine, quite a cabbie. In the end, he's going to not get away on the glider that he came in. Escape from New York in theaters. Like, those are the kind of trailers from that era. Yeah, you just state the name of the movie several times. You name name the people that are in them. Maybe show, you know, a clip of them doing something exciting, and that's how you sell the movie. You don't have to tell the entire plot and the ending in the in the trailer. No, that was at that time. Like you look at trailers from the time, and they did have that. Like they would show scenes, but they would also have a narrator who would kind of tell you everything that was going to go on in the movie. In a world where crime has gone up four hundred percent. I don't hate <laughs> 400% crime rate still is very funny to me. And, uh, you know, like it was the late seventies, early eighties. I, another thing that I get, I, I think, I think escape from New York was kind of trying to piggyback off of the road warrior. Yeah. I get Mad that. Max. Cause Matt, uh, I think road warrior was like 1980, but Mad Max was earlier. And I think it was trying to piggyback like, that uh, that one dude who had the super high up hair and seemingly sharp teeth, like mm-hmm. that guy absolutely was. Hey, remember those guys from Road Warrior? Mad Max was more realistic than Road Warrior. Have you ever seen the first one? I don't know if I have actually seen Mad Max. It's where uh, he's, well, he's married. He's got like a little toddler. And these yeah. these guys start harassing them. They're trying to, I don't know, like escape or something or get away uh, from like this bad element going on. And they chase them down. They end up, you end up seeing like a, a baby get thrown out of a car or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty graphic. <laughs> 
That, that's a movie I should watch because I really, I really like The Road Warrior a lot. Beyond Thunderdome is is beyond silly, but it's it's also fun. Beyond Thunderdome is, in my estimation, Beyond Thunderdome is like sixty percent a pretty good movie, but forty percent of these Australian kids that is just unwatchable. Oh yeah, that that part is is pretty crazy. What is what's is it Master Blaster? Is that the? Oh yes, you rule <laughs> Barter Town. Oh, good old fun, good old fun. Like I mean. Most of the, honestly, most of the stuff in Beyond Thunderdome, I I can look at it and say overall it's just not a great movie, but it's got a lot of the, the really fantastical elements that I love Road Warrior for. It's it's more like they leaned into that, you know, just the the one guy from Commando who is in <laughs> Road Warrior, uh, they lean really into that a- aesthetic, hmm. like all the silly stuff. I'm fine with it being bad just because it's over the top of the stuff that I like, but it really, the part with the kids is so bad. It is so bad. bad. I always felt Waterworld was it, a, was a huge rip off of, of Mad Max. Yeah. Of that I whole series. Right that. That's the bit that's worse than of a rip off than I think escape from New York. I, I wouldn't even say escape from New York is a rip off. It's just biting. It's sort of biting that style a little bit. The dystopian future. I mean, the idea that New York is walled off and turned into a prison that people cannot escape from is a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty creative thing. And, and, and also John Carpenter's great, which, oh man, one of the, that things, makes a big difference. Things, I, it hadn't really occurred to me that escape from New York has a theme, but man, it rips. Yeah. It's good. It sounds good. It's a good, good music. Like the main theme for the escape movies. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, wh- so what's another one of your cools? Um, you know, I, I, I have to keep bringing this up, but in particular, I've been reading the Witcher books, ah. and a few of the characters from that I at least know from the games that I'm sure are gonna. I think next season of The Witcher is going to be pretty, pretty good because. Uh, and there's a second Witcher coming in, right? Uh, there should be, uh, depending on. I don't know how they're going to, what they're going to necessarily do. The bet, the things that I think they're going to do is that from the books, from, cause we hit the, we hit where the show ends. Uh, basically I think, uh, yeah, like at the end of the short stories, but okay. from there, the trilogy that I'm reading now, basically, uh, Geralt and Siri just, uh, sawed off from there and go to Care Morin, which is like this ancient witcher stronghold that got destroyed in some kind of insurrection, but uh, still a handful, the handful of witchers from that particular school still return to. And so uh, I've heard things about that, Henry Cavill being recast. I think it, it was that, just a confusion because they were casting a second person to play a second witcher. And I think well, people I, misunderstood sure that. They're casting Vesemir, his his trainer, who kind of just is the the Witcher who stays there. Okay. Um, there are th- three other Witchers: Cohen, who I'd never seen in the games; um, Eskel, who's uh, at least the games treat him kind of like a caretaker for Vesemir; and uh, Lambert, who is a Witcher who's a dick. So, which one is Steve Buscemi gonna play? 
That's the question. Steve Buscemi, if Steve Buscemi <laughs> was in it, he would very much be a Lambert. All right. He, he would play a Lambert well. But the thing I've gotten out of it the most is, um, I, Travis, I have to imagine you've read something that a movie or TV show gets was made out of eventually. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And I'm sure you, you, you look at, you know, specific casting and go like, oh, you know, okay, they, they got that right. Like, like one of the, one of the big ones that people always talk about is Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark and say, oh, it was inspired casting. Like most people were pretty angry about it. I remember when they announced he was going to play. Yeah. They've, they've retroactively called it inspired. Well, it was um, a lot like, like when they announced, um, the Joker in, uh, uh, What's his name? You know, guy died. Uh, yeah. Heath Ledger. Everybody now is going, oh, yeah, I knew he was going to be great. But I remember when they cast him, people were just losing their mind. Were it people was, that way really about Robert Downey? Because he... Mm-hmm. I remember. One, Iron Man was not really a particularly pop, popular property at the time. And he wasn't a, pro- a popular actor at the time either. He wasn't doing yeah, much so I, of anything. I don't know. I but But having read some of Iron Man, like... There are things that they stray away from and things that they, like, in a lot of ways, like, Robert Downey Jr. played a fairly good Tony Stark, but also Tony Stark eventually just became Robert Downey Jr. as a property. That's that's right. something Marvel does a lot of. They cast someone, and then the comics kind of start molding around what they decided. Like, uh, like if you watch one of the cartoons, they're doing, it's somebody doing a Robbie, Robert Downey Jr. voice now. As yeah. Tony Stark, it's not just a its own person. In fact, a a comedian friend of mine uh, is one of them that does it. Adam oh, Ray, really? yeah, he does it for. I think he's done some things. You know how when they swear in a movie and then they have to go in and edit and, and have somebody that? say a new word. Yeah, he he does some Robert Downey That's Jr. Funny. stuff. That's funny. Some voiceovers and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of things like uh, when the first. When the first uh, X-Men movie came out, like all of a sudden they kind of had to come up with, you know, a logistical reason in the comics why they stopped wearing costumes and started wearing like leather uniforms. And (laughs) absolutely, when the Spider-Man movies came out, the comics started, the comics found a reason for uh, Peter Parker to have organic, organic web shooters. Are you organic fan or are you uh, the little capsules fan? Which do you Uh, prefer? I'm a... I am a fan of uh, I am a fan of the initial intent of Peter Parker supposed supposing to be very much an everyman, and uh, like I'm I'm honestly kind of not a fan of the MCU thing of him being like Tony Stark's adopted son and adopting all of his tech. I like the idea mm-hmm. of and, and like willing all of his stuff to Peter Parker. I. I like the idea of Peter Parker raised by, you know, his very golden hearted aunt and uncle. And he sort of absorbed those traits and took them ahead and never really relied on anyone and kind of always had a, a true North golden like compass for morality Mm -hmm. because he just kind of always like, you know, it's, it's hit and miss, but the comics always have kind of played Peter Parker as he didn't step up to, he didn't step up to like become a millionaire based on because he's a brilliant scientist. Right. He, all he ever did was put it into being the crime fighter Spider Man. I think the the capsules like when he runs out of capsules, there's some built in um, 
tension there because you don't know, oh, I've only got one shot left, that kind of thing, like in an action movie where they've only got one bullet left. So that's kind of a good tool to have when you're writing a story. But if, I mean, the, the fact that you might be able to shoot webs from your hands is a pretty cool power also. Like if you're bitten by a spider and really could climb up walls and stuff like that, it's not crazy to think that maybe he could shoot things out of his hands. I'm just realizing what I'm saying sounds crazy, but. <laughs> well, it, it was still, it, it came from an era where studios still didn't have a lot of faith in people accepting fantastical things of, you know, it's just, it's the same reason why the X-Men didn't have costumes or, you know, a lot of that stuff. Right. No, I get it. It kind of wasn't until the MCU era where people were like, oh, well, like people have fun when the costumes look, you know, kind of fantastical and silly. It's it is what it's the reason why Mystique never had a costume and was just always naked. It, yeah, I think that was more or less to to get people interested in that character. Yeah, because they could have easily put a costume on her. They did it in the the reboot did, movies. Yeah. They eventually did. Yeah, and, and nobody she, was like, Whoa, how come she's not naked the whole time? Uh, Travis, I have I have access to X-Men Phoenix or whatever. Is it just called X-Men Phoenix? Uh, Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I have access to Dark Phoenix, and that's one of those Watch ones it. that I... I put the cursor over and I go, mm, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to end up feeling like I wasted my time. The train fight is really, really good. The rest of the movie is average at best, but the train fight is, is really entertaining. I enjoyed that part a lot. So at least watch the train fight. I'm bad at getting around to things. So I'm trying, I mean, to some degree, it can be a little bit of a challenge with the whole, like we're, we're looking to talk about lame things. It's like, I'm bad at budgeting my time, so when I do budget it, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to come out the other end of this and be like, ah, this was this was a really bad choice. They do some interesting things with Magneto in it too, because he's kind of torn between being good and not being good. And then you also see another side of uh, Charles Xavier, where it, basically the movies that he's exploiting all these young people to to do his bidding. Like he's their, their Caesar type of thing. So it's almost, it's almost a switch in Magneto. You feel a little bit more sorry for and Xavier, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I don't trust him as much as I did. So there are some interesting parts to the movie, but it, it as a whole is not great, but I, I enjoyed is, it enough. That is a, that is sort of a question that I think they do pretty well in uh, doom patrol of the, is the professor X of this thing. Mm, right. Um, do, does the Professor X of this thing have good intentions? Hey, can I ask you, are you done with The Witcher? Because you're leading into one of my cools. So I want to give you time to finish The Witcher. The show? Or the the cool you were bringing up, talking about reading, oh, the, I mean, reading the book. I guess the, the, cool, the cool that I was <laughs> – the cool that I just wanted to bring up was I am just floored by how, how well CD Projekt read – uh, realize these characters because those four witchers and a couple of other characters uh this uh spy character dykstra specifically uh i'm reading i'm like oh my god i can't be- i cannot believe how well this game company rendered these characters um Geralt, they Geralt, they do a pretty good job with the thing that you get with Geralt from the books to the movies is they don't really ever describe 
how particularly gruff that voice is. <laughs> that is something that the games definitely took control of and what Henry Cavill, one million percent, like they're doing the books as this TV series. Henry Cavill is like whole cloth. I am doing the Geralt from the games. <laughs> nice. But paying like, tribute. Just, I am so I I've never been impressed like this of how well someone takes a written property and says, we're going to make these characters and we're like, you can just the, the love that the people at CD project red have for this series is, is really impressive. Like that. Um, I think that game of Thrones is pretty close on that, but there's also some choices that they made to divert from who these characters kind of act like or who they are. But this, it's just like right on the money. And I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see, I'm really stoked for next season because some of these characters are like, you know, definitely those witchers are going to come up and I'm really interested to see. Cause I definitely with the character of uh Yaskier, who is dandelion, the, that is definitely a choice that they decided like, well, you know, we want to keep the spirit alive of this, you know, uh, there, there, there are some tonal differences between the two, but mm -hmm. like, yeah. So my cool is like these witcher books are, I really like these witcher books. It's, it's really surprising that I like all three of those things. Wow. Cause it, it doesn't happen a lot with, uh, you know, even with properties that like a, like a star war, I don't like all the star wars and the, the books. I like some of the books. A lot of the books are just, just trash, <laughs> you know, same with games, same with like, right. but like just all three of these things, uh, game, uh, TV show and book. I've just adored all three of them on their own merits. There's something about when the author has, has some say in what's happening because like the well, star wars stuff it i mean it got so far away from george lucas that i mean so many people were doing books and comics and games and all this stuff um, and quite frankly george lucas got away from george lucas so yes yes <laughs> um i i i'm uh, this one is definitely a pronunciation boondoggle i'm going to make an assumption that the way that the author pronounces it is andre sapkowski uh, that guy is famous for hating the games. Really? He, hmm. he, he's actually come around. He, I think in the, in recent years, he's actually talked about that. He was, he misunderstood, but there was a good streak where he, he was under the impression that the games, uh, detracted from his books, that they hurt the image of his books when unequivocally, the popular unequivocally, the reason we have a TV show is the, are those games 100%. And, uh, I'm pretty sure out of bitterness, Sapkowski, um, penned his deal with Netflix saying, this will not be about the games. This will be about my books. Hmm. But they're, they're kind of paying uh, homage to both. It sounds like so, which is well, a good yeah, thing. Like I said, I, I, I don't know any of those. I'm just, I'm pretty sure that Sapkowski had said this. We don't do the games. We do my books, but yeah, Henry Cable is definitely a fan of the games and it, it shows through in his performance. So hmm. I'll back off of, of that winding road. You can, you can take the wheel from here. All right. My other, uh, my second cool is going to be, you mentioned doom patrol. I watched episode one of doom patrol and also episode one of Titans. I really liked both. Oh. of them. Doom Patrol has a completely different tone than Titans. Just the, uh, like I said, I only saw one episode, but just the end, the way they introduced all of the characters was pretty cool. I mean, they haven't really introduced the doctor so much, but when you get the backstory of these characters, 
it's quick, but it's effective. You know, they get it all in the, in the same episode, and you get to yeah, learn, you, you know, uh, their you trials. You haven't met Cyborg at all yet, have you? No, we haven't got to Cyborg yet. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty into this series. It's it's pretty cool what they've done. Uh, I didn't realize that Brendan Fraser was barely even on screen. Yeah, he he will be on screen more. They they find ways to to get some some physical form because yeah, there there is that is not Brendan Fraser in the suit if you if you weren't aware. Yeah, there's a completely was, different I, actor in there. It, it it has the bulk of a phrase, but uh, it is not him. And it's got what Matthew Bomber uh, or is it Bomer? That I can't tell you about. Which guy is I that? I think it's Bomer. The guy in the the guy in the bandages. Yeah, and he he was on um, Chuck. Do you remember Bryce Larkin from Chuck? That's who that's who this guy was. There was I never a never watched Chuck. Oh really? He's he's like yeah. Chuck's best friend that he doesn't realize is a spy, and then he thinks he turned like he turned his back on him, but really. Bryce Larkin was trying to save Chuck from getting hurt. Or, anyway, he he pops up in in the show. He's really good in that. He's a really good actor. I know a lot of people. When it looked like Henry Cavill was going to walk away from Superman, they were saying this guy may be the guy to step in, uh, step in and take his place. Really good actor. Henry Cavill still Superman? Have we established that? He is going to be coming back for scenes and movies, and then I think they're going to go from there. I don't think they're uh, going to do a whole Brothers... Superman movie. No, Warner Brothers just said this week that they don't think that a Superman, uh, Superman-centric movie is profitable. Well, that's what I just said. He's not going to do a movie. He's going to come in and be in like uh, probably The Flash or uh, maybe a Wonder Woman movie, Aquaman, that kind of thing. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe The Batman. You never know. Those are the ones we'll they listed, what? so we'll we'll find out. But oh, Doom Patrol, it's got a good tone to it. I want to see. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, the Umbrella Academy, kind of the tone. Yeah, it very much. It very much leans into like weirdness. How they're they're kind of like a family, and they've all got their own struggles, but they kind of like lean in on that. So yeah, I definitely want to see where it goes. I'm completely confused about uh, uh, the actress's powers because I don't know anything about that character. And right now it just yeah. kind of seems like she loses control and uh, melts. So yeah, her name was like Elastic, Elastic Woman yeah, or something Elastigirl. like. Oddly enough, Elastic Girl. Is it Elastic Girl? Okay, so I, I'm excited to see what what she can do, and also, yeah. uh, you know the the pilot guy. I don't I don't even know what his powers are yet, except that yeah. he starts to glow. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Yeah, but it's but got a good you... tune. Do you kind of get what I'm talking about that like, yeah, these it's not a matter. It's not a like capable band that are considered to be outcasts. It is like we they are literally they are they're all literally pretty crappy at what they're doing. Yeah. And they're all kind of well, at least uh, Brendan Fraser, he's, he's pretty new to it. I mean, he just barely figured out how to walk. All of a sudden he's saving a town. But uh, yeah, they're they're definitely not like. I wouldn't compare them to guardians of the galaxy at all. Like you said, it's, it's, they're just kind of like figuring things out. So it'll be, you've already seen the whole season. I know I'm interested to see where it goes. You haven't seen Titans though, right? No. And you, you're not getting, uh, you're not getting nearly enough Alan Tudyk yet. Oh yeah. He just kind of narrates and then pops up at the end. So yeah, he He looks pretty menacing. Really good. All right. Have you seen the cockroach yet? No. 
Okay. Don't, not yet. don't worry about it. Travis, right. Don't worry about it. I will not worry about it. It's a deal. So, uh, Titans, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's, oh, I want it. I want it to be bad. What it is is Robin <laughs> kind of wants to get out of the shadow of Batman, so he moves to, I can't remember. It's Detroit. Oh, yeah. He, he moves to Detroit, and he, oh, he's, a, City. he's a detective. It's uh, That's the weird thing about DC is they're like, yeah, he came here from Gotham, but now he's in Detroit. So, so it is Detroit. It's not like yeah, they're fake cities. They say Detroit like either use just fake cities or use just real cities. You can't mix and match fake and real. And so that, that takes you out a little anyway, but he becomes, uh, he goes there. Uh, the character Raven is, is the main character you meet in this episode and you kind of get a backstory on her and kind of how tragic of a character she is. And she's kind of drawn toward Robin, like whatever the, the power inside of her is that, kind of talks to her and tells her run or things like that. It's kind of drawing her to Robin. Like she's been seeing uh, visions of his family dying at the circus and things like that. So the first time they meet, she's saying, you're the boy from the circus. And it kind of takes him aback and he's trying to figure out what's going on. But it's actually, mm. I, even the scene where, you know, the F Batman scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think the editing for the trailer didn't do much service to that scene it wasn't as bad when you watched the entire fight leading up to it because it wasn't like out of hatred like f batman it was like i can do this f batman it was kind of like that more than i hate batman you know what i mean it's too bad it's less bratty and more like okay i think i can do this almost believing in himself a little bit so the yeah the editing in the in the trailer i think did a certain disservice because that's all anybody talked about leading up into this show any uh, any hints that he's maybe going to transition to Nightwing before the end of the season? Uh, I don't. It, it's hard to say just because it Is was episode one. Yeah, it's Dick Grayson. Okay. I think eventually there's a Tim Drake character too, because I was looking at the cast and I think maybe a second Robin comes in. I'm not sure, but it's not as bad. If you have a chance to see it, just give it a shot. It's it's not horrible. It's it's kind of it's watchable. We'll but see. those are my my second cools. We'll see. <clears throat> we'll see. What do you got left? Uh, you know, the, so uh, speaking of trying to curate, and uh, when I when I'm better at making time, actually watching things that that I'll feel fulfilled by, mm-hmm. uh, I keep forgetting that HBO Max has a bunch of that Studio Ghibli mm. or Ghibli. God, I tried to look up how. It, I tried to look up how to say Studio Ghibli and found the video that I found before you, like right before you called me was just like a um, compilation of people saying it different ways. <laughs> Ghibli, like, Ghibli, 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 or Ghibli. So it, it remains elusive and a mystery to me, but, uh, Thanos, that's uh, how you specifically say it. The, yeah, it's the, it's Thanos. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, looking at that, I want to try and hit all the Miyazaki. And one of the few that I hadn't seen, uh, just just largely because it's, I don't always watch the the more kid friendly ones. Like I've seen My Neighbor Totoro just because it's really, really, really classic. Even though it is definitely a a movie for young kids. Do you know what uh, year that came out? Um, I don't know. Is I'll this do, before Pokemon? Quick. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Oh yeah. 
I'm so pretty sure. You think this kind of inspired the Pokemon characters? Because that's what I always think of when I see that character. Uh, I would say that there's just a lot of a lot of animation coming out of Japan around the time that like like Pokemon is not that. I don't think po- yeah, it's 1988, and then I'll, mm. I'll look up Pokemon TV. Pokemon TV series was like 95 or 96, yeah. Because it was, I, I know it was when I was raising a small child. Because he got super first, into it. Still first is. episode, it says first episode April 1st, 97, but I'm also assuming hmm. that's in America, so I'm not quite sure. And it ended in 2017. It ended? That's that's the surprise. It ended? Uh, I If I had to... Yeah, it says Pokemon TV series 1997 Dash, but... Uh, I would take a guess that Ash Ketchum's story ended then and that, I don't know. Yeah, I think they've matter. moved on from Ash Ketchum. But I just think that there's a lot of a lot of kind of anime stuff that has that style. I don't know that, I don't know that uh, Pokemon was necessarily biting anybody's style other than <laughs> just doing what you do. It was osmosis. So what movie yeah. did you watch? I watched, a, I, I haven't quite finished it yet, but I watched a, a decent chunk of uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Ah, with with Which Tombo. Is, you know, I always remember Tombo. that trailer. And uh, was it Joey Lawrence or Joey Lawrence is Tombo? Oh, is that it's one the, of those one kid? of those Lawrence boys? That's a little kid that's like chasing. That's one of those things I wonder about because, uh, boy, we, our history of entertainment is just uh, elephant's graveyard of roles <laughs> about a girl who a a kid meets up and she doesn't like him at first, but he keeps bugging her until she's eventually like, Oh yeah, I kind of do like you. Let's be friends or boyfriend, girlfriend at this point. I'm like, Oh, <clears throat> it worked for me. You're not supposed to do that. If a, if a girl doesn't like you, you're supposed to just let that be okay. It depends on the pursuing. If the pursuing is to try to make her like you as a person, I think it's fine. If the pursuing <laughs> is to acquire her, that's not fine. Uh, this kid, Kiki does not want to, so far Kiki does not want to talk to this kid, but he keeps kind of chasing her around. But so, sometimes girls play hard to get. <laughs> We're talking about friendship, not like achieving any goals on her physically. Hard to, hard to say. I don't know. Probably, Some people you know, want to be like these are kids, so friendship. <laughs> right. But regardless, no, no, the thing I wasn't talking about is, that I wasn't going to talk about was, uh, I think Phil Hartman, I haven't confirmed this. I think Phil Hartman is doing the voice of the cat. It sounds a hell of a lot like Phil Hartman. I should probably look that. sounds up. familiar to me, actually. Because I think I've seen it maybe 25 years ago, something like that. And I remember, yeah. it seems like Phil Hartman might have done the voice of the cat. Yeah, it does sound familiar to me. Uh, but you're into it? Uh, yeah, it is. It is Phil Hartman. Yeah, I mean... Kirsten like, Dunst is Kiki. I remember that studio studio googly stuff is it's hard to find stuff that isn't just fun to watch. But the thing I wanted to focus on mainly specifically because I haven't finished it is something the studio gooba to do (laughs) that does that. I don't know if this is more of an edit era thing so much as it's uh, specific to this studio is making mundane things kind of look realistic and gorgeous just like things like uh kiki running home after she's been laying in a windswept field just looks like what it should be but at the same time like there 
there's something that really, really comes out of the picture of it, of like, whereas in a Disney movie, the girl would pick up her like bow staff and leap over things and, <laughs> you know, slide Insane. on her feet underneath things. And it's like that, I guess that has its place, but it doesn't feel, it's just like from the first scene where she's laying in a field and there's just wind going through these, you know, wildflowers and things like that. Like, like it's just like, Oh, that, like you can you can almost feel you can almost feel like a warm summer day or how the air smells or things like that just because or there's scenes where she's in the city and just seeing traffic in the city or people walking around there's just a a feeling of authenticity that comes through of these 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 uh uh these animators really really you know they they just cared that's why it stands <clears throat> out and people revere it so much is because of you know the art that they put into it they know what they're doing and i hadn't i hadn't thought so much about it you know until that moment of you know that i've seen a lot of the other ones like you know like uh, princess mononoke and the the more kind of for adults stuff but like that like uh uh spirited away i think specifically the food has a real very much a real feel to like you can you can tell just how tasty a lot of that is. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's that's my cool. I, I've that's been enjoying cool. that. And I want to... Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service is one of the few that I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen Grave of the Fireflies, but that's not on HBO Max. Ooh, I've heard... I've heard that's a that's an intense movie. Grave of the Fireflies yeah. and Watership Down. I, keep, yeah. I always hear about those two, and it's like, I don't know if I want to watch those. <laughs> And uh, I'd need to look up the Miyazaki catalog to know which ones that I'm missing. But uh, there are a few other ones on there that aren't necessarily. But it, I should probably just watch all of the stuff on there. It's, I'm sure you will eventually. It's all going to be good. Yeah. All right. So I've got a cool and a drool left over. I'm going to do the drool oh. first. I'm going to close yeah. on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> so the drool, I, I watched it last night. It was brand new on Disney+. Plus. I watched the Artemis <laughs> Fowl movie. They make new things? Yeah, I ooh, I've heard I've heard nothing but bad about that. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I Okay, so I it's very confusing who Artemis Fowl even is at the beginning of the movie. Uh apparently his dad is some secret uh like he's the protector of the division between the fairy world and the human world and it's a complete secret and he tells all these stories to young artemis who by the way is smarter than albert einstein he's the smartest person on the planet he's 12 years old but he fills his head with all these stories uh, he because in a junkyard dog me yeah he's don't tug on superman's cape jeez for sure so artemis hears all these stories growing up doesn't realize they're real then the story he finds out they're real the fairies uh, ogres, all these creatures, they live in the center of the earth. That's where they all live. And uh, for some reason, Wait, he... Is, this, is uh, this promoting hollow earth conspiracy theories? It's going to. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more hollow earthers now. But I guess that'll get rid of the flat earthers because you can't have a hollow earth if it's flat, right? So we'll get those two uh, groups battling each other. So anyway, uh, Josh Gad plays like a, a dwarf in this movie. But they actually have. Ooh, boy, they, that sounds fun. Well, they actually have dwarves playing dwarves, except for him because he is a giant dwarf, uh, which is a running oh, so joke. So this is an elf situation, huh? Yeah. So yeah, he's a he's a he really is a dwarf, uh, but he's a giant dwarf. Uh, here's the thing about dwarves in in this uh, little universe. So 
they dig. That's what they do. Uh, the, that's their specialty. The way they dig is they they look like a normal creature until they unhinge their jaw oh, and no. start eating dirt and rocks. Uh, you, you're thinking, how far can you dig? You That stuff's got to go somewhere. Well, it does. It blows out their butthole. Uh, on the other end, so behind them, all the things that they're eating is shooting out the back. Oh my god! It's very disturbing. They must have a horrible rash. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. He uses a gravelly voice, much like Geralt. So does uh, Dame Judy, Judy Dench. She is like the the leader of the Leprechauns, and and she talks like this, and Josh Gad talks like this, and like apparently the fairy world doesn't have lozenges, but just. The Josh Gad they, character eating his way as he tunnels. H? I don't know. And then just watching, because they show he's wearing like red and white striped underwear apparently, because you see a flap flap up and then just rocks start shooting out of his butthole. This. It is strange. If you want to watch something that's really weird, this is your this is your chance. It's very weird. I don't know that it's going to like capture the imagination of most kids. It was, I don't know, it was like Starship Troopers, or not Starship Troopers, but uh, Battlefield Earth almost. <laughs> it was just weird to me. They I tried too watch, hard to create. I want to watch this movie, but it's just like Starship Troopers. No, Trust, more. it's I more like, like Battlefield more. Earth. It's. I would like to know more. I wouldn't be surprised if I found no. out that this is all part of Scientology. Like that would make more sense than what I watched last night. So I don't know. Give it, give it a shot. It's weird. Just, just to see the, the stuff shooting out his butthole in a, in a children's movie is, is worth watching it. So weird. It's just weird. Uh, I recommend it for, uh, just to watch is like a weird thing that to laugh at. Basically, I did not think it was a good movie at all. So sorry, Disney, but didn't hit it out of the park. It's probably a good thing this didn't go to theaters. It dodged a bullet there because it just at this point, it's just going to be on Disney Plus and you'll never hear from it again. And then the thing that really is annoying is it ends where it's clear that they're setting up a sequel, but it's one of those young adult movies that does that. And there's no way it's going to get a sequel. It's garbage. So. And I'm the guy that likes most things, but this was not a good movie. Well, yeah. what are you going to do? It was literally rock shooting out your butthole good. That is. <laughs> it's like James Bond, but rock shooting out of your butthole. Yeah, if Jaws could eat and like tunnel his way through and then shoot stuff out of his butthole, that'd be good in a James Bond movie. Wasn't How good in this. Yeah. How much do you feel like the <laughs> I cuz they're based on books, right? Yeah. I wonder if the rock the rock pooping thing like there had to be a meeting where people were like, yeah, we're going to do this. Just like Yeah. The, like how are the, we going to how are we going to portray this in the in the live action movie? <laughs> the dragon thing at the end of Again, what again, I have that fascination with Dr. Doolittle as a movie, the dragon butthole thing at the end. I would like to know how that happened, and no one stepped in and said, "We can't do this." Is that this is in it? Is that in the book, Doctor Doolittle? Is that why it's there? I because have, if it's not, if somebody freestyled that, that was a big misstep. For how taken aback by that, 
thing that people kind of were, I have a hard time believing that that was like no one, no one eventually said, I've never seen anyone say "Ah, that was a part of the original story. It was a dragon that had a turd caught crosswise. Basically that's, that's what it was. Oh yeah. You're backed up here. He puts his hand in there. All of a sudden stuff starts shooting out the butt. It's, I don't know what. I don't know what's going on it's with like children's the, movies and pooping. It's like the giant spider at the end of uh, at the end of uh, Wild Wild West. That it's like this was there was some really eccentric executive who said like, uh, you know, we'll make you, we will we'll make this movie, but only if you do my dragon butthole scene. <laughs> if this dragon isn't constipated, we're not spending a dime on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big. It's a bold choice. All right, what do you got left? Do you still have a you still have a cool, don't you? I think I did mine. Yeah, no, I did all mine. You did we, all yours. How did you do them all? No, I did uh, Escape from New York, uh, oh, yeah, Ghibli, we... and Witcher. Oh, all right. And you, what was your your drool again? Uh, those weird ass twins. Oh yeah. Okay, I remember now. All right. Well, I have a cool left, and it's a okay. This is a it's a new animated series. It's on Hulu. Uh, I mentioned. Uh, Adam Ray earlier. He actually does voices on this this series. It's from the the guys that did um, Robot Chicken. So it's kind of a stop motion oh, animation okay. style. I know what you're talking about. It's called Crossing the... Swords. Yeah. It's really funny. It's very very adult. There's okay. So the characters say, are. I hadn't really thought about it until you said it. Is that just a reference to touching dicks? Basically, yeah, more or less. But it's a so all the characters they're like little wooden characters, and they kind of remind yeah, me like, of like Playmobil. Yeah, remember the original little people, the ones you could put on your finger and do like finger puppets with when we were little yeah. before they got yeah. fat and chunky. They're kind of like that, and there's there's a lot of uh, little wooden character nudity in the in these shows, which is it's pretty funny how they do it. The writing is funny. There's a lot of like famous people doing voices and stuff in it. Um, but it, it's it's pretty funny. I, I if you're into like adult type uh, humor, it's pretty good. I would I would check it out. It's got dragons. It's got sword fights. It's got squires and magic and things like that. So it's pretty fun. Hmm. I've only seen Thank two episodes so far, but I, I enjoyed them both. There is there's one that has fairies and you find out that glitter is uh fairy poop basically we're we're going down down poop avenue again but old poop alley yeah the old the old hershey highway but there there there's a scene where all of the the squires to be are they're learning how to fight so they're killing fairies chopping them up and there's there's just stuff flying everywhere it's funny anyway <laughs> that's all of my cools and drools for this week Steve, Crossing any, Swords, any check it out. Anything anything you realized was afoot this week? Uh, the only thing, there's like, you know, James Bond's moving up five days or uh, Wonder Woman's moving back two days. It, just weird movements like that. There's the, the Henry just Cavill playing, thing playing about... Chess. Other than that, there's not much going on. Uncle Ben and Aunt Jemima are both going away. I saw that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Like, yeah, I saw some of that stuff. It's, it's You just don't think a ton about it. Yeah, I mean, you see it, and you see those things, and you think like, "Oh, that seems seems a little hinky," but it's been around forever. And then this breaks loose, and like, uh, I read a, I, I read like a Twitter feed where where a woman explained like, oh, "I know that 
look, I know that a syrup bottle isn't necessarily in 2020 something that we've looked at and gone. People are being oppressed because of it. But hey, here's here's the history of how that bottle got its name. It's like, oh right. man, there were a lot of a lot of real shitty avenues that that business went down without somebody saying like, you know, this is really insensitive that this is how we get to naming this, right? You know the so, thing that always got me? Who buys name brand rice and syrup? Uh, I, I always buy store brand rice and syrup. Yeah, it's like I guarantee you. I guarantee you, if you go into IHOP, uh, Aunt Jemima is probably what they're putting in there. No, they've got their own syrup. They're not using Aunt Jemima. It's cheap. They're using Mrs. Butterworth. Which was always creepier. Remember the commercials when we were kids and Mrs. Butterworth's bottle yes. would, would talk to the children as they ate their pancakes after they oh, just yes. squeezed her essence from her head? I wonder how I wonder how those have aged. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't have a I'm, she didn't have a uh, African American voice. It just sounded like an old lady voice, right? Did it? I can't. I don't know if Mrs. Butterworth is supposed to be white or black. I don't know. She's syrup. That's all I know. I'm gonna do a quick Google search, baby. I mean, they can, yeah, just, they can totally rebrand Uncle Ben's rice and Aunt Jemima. Come on, people. It's not that big of a deal. People, I think it's more, I saw it on Twitter, and I think people are more having a little bit of, uh, you know, just have fun talking about the fact that it still exists like that more than people are upset that it's going to go away. Because, like I said, who buys name brand rice? I think rice oh, is well, rice. Like, who is... Who is at any point like? Why would you be bothered about it going away? Right, things how, go away. It just how happens. How do you find yourself caring that much? Yeah, about a mascot. I don't know. Anyway, but, I think uh, I think yeah, it was, there were a few things like that this week of finding out things like I and I haven't looked it up. I haven't read the thing on it yet, but I apparently the term "grandfathered in" has some pretty nefarious roots. Really. It has to do with slavery. That again, I, I think it is something to that to that huh. end. I never but would have put that together. No, no. How would you? How would you? It's one of those things I people think, say all the time, and you just go, "Yeah, it's just a term." People say. I just yeah, I just never had any cause to. But like, if you if you look something up and find out, like, say, grandfather, just we'll say like grandfathered in was a way like the the term had its roots in like that was a way that. You know, maybe, I don't know, just something of a racist nature. Like, yes, it made it this far and we haven't had to think about it in decades. Mm -hmm. But like you find out, it's kind of like, ooh, gross. Yeah, that's a bummer. At any rate. Where were we? What were we? Oh, the news. News, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some news about uh, a couple people acting pretty terribly toward women, but I don't know if we want to get into that. Uh, let's just be positive, right? That's up to you, my guy. We don't want to. Well, I can tell you positively that... Uh, there was a little bit of hubbub just today about the possibility of an attack the block two. I never uh, saw that first one. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I've heard it's really, really good. good. I kind movie. of forgot about it. Like it was like, Oh, I should probably see that. And then I don't think I've ever seen it streaming anywhere is probably why I didn't watch it, but that's where John I Boyega kind of got his start. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Early, early John Boyega. I will tell you this, put on the, put on the subtitles. A lot of really thick, really thick accents with a lot of uh, really fast going by slang. I'm usually pretty uh, good at sure. understanding English accents. 
th- this one is well, it's just like lots of really. I, I it's hard to explain. It, it is a, it's a, it's like a, it's a sort of British dialect that I'm just super not familiar with. Yeah, it's and the, it's a little rough to hold on to for all the characters that are in it. It's not the pronunciation that gets me. It's the okay, like like we came up with having a bubble, right? Having a bubble. It's like you have to take four steps to get the reference that they're they're saying. Like if it if it's like uh, I'm going to do this quickly, they'll be like, okay, well, there's Nesquik, it's chocolate milk, so I'm going to say, I'm going to do it chocolate milk style or something like that. And you're like, what are you even talking about? And you're like, you know, quick, Nesquik. Oh, okay, well, how was I supposed to jump four steps to get that reference that you just made? That's what gets me about them. I don't need, I don't need like a words telling me what they just said. I need words telling me uh, breaking down the, the direction that the reference went so I can understand it. I'll just pause it and Google, and then I'll come back to the movie. That's what I'll do. Yeah, it, it's kind of in that lane, but a really, really cool movie. I mean, there's a, there's a good reason why John Boyega kind of earned recognition. It's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, like a, it, it almost has the, the same feel as like, say a Shaun of the dead. Mm. Just, Cause it's a small, uh, it's just the story of them taking place in this yeah, huge a, global thing that's happening. Yeah. Just like a, a story of like a little teenage gang dealing with this alien threat, <laughs> but just, uh, there was some tweet about like, hey, you know, we're thinking about maybe doing a, a uh, attack the block two, and John Boyega tweeted something about like, yeah, I'd really like to, really like to get in on this. So, yeah, why not? Back, yeah, back I, to I the, would love that. Back to the thing that brought you to the dance. Yup, yup, yup. All right. And I then think, uh, oh. of the of the slightness, I don't know if you saw that they released what the PS5 is going to look like. Uh, I saw that they deli- uh, dropped a trailer, I think, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, Sony had a big event that had a bunch of stuff, but one of the things they showed the body events it's it, it's hard to say. Like I am, I am of an age that my electronics, I just want them to blend into the thing that they're that they're being held in, like a a GameCube with multiple colors, like I want the black one and I want it to be fairly nondescript. Yeah. Because most people's entertainment centers are going to be black nowadays, something like that. So you just, yeah, Yeah. I get what you're saying. You want it to match the TV. The TV is going to be black. Your DVD player, your Blu-ray player. I'm 10 years behind everybody. Apparently is probably going to be black. So if you had something up there, that's like neon green, it just kind of looks funny. Yeah. If you, if you have something, you could just look up the look of it real quick. Uh, let me see. Let me, cause the, I'm going to close the phone. Show, oh, you're still there. That's the model, good. Yeah. The model that they show is, um, black and white, which I'm sure they'll just have a black on black one that works better, but it also has uh, blue highlights and it flares out at the end in a way that's like, they definitely want it to look weird. Yeah, it does look weird. It, so, it makes it look like it gets skinny, skinnier at the bottom. It's not a really big deal because at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't super matter what they look like other mm-hmm. than, you know, I, I just, I just kind of wanted to blend in my stuff. And also it doesn't come across necessarily from the picture. It is the, the consoles for this generation, that and the Xbox series X, they are really big, huh. really damn big. And, uh, 
that was just that's something and, and also sony has not come out letting you know they've had a couple of major uh ps5 events Mm-hmm. And still have not been really forthcoming about what the price is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be so, a lot, I'm guessing. In yeah, do you think do you think yeah. more than seven hundred? No, no. Yeah, it, you know they're going to uh, have a model that's seven hundred. It's like eight terabytes or eight million terabytes of storage. I don't know if terabytes yeah, is big I mean, or small. It's only really going to matter what the base model is, and so far, so far there seems to be. Like it seems to be leaning toward maybe six hundred, which is pretty pretty damn expensive for a console. Yeah, that is pretty pricey for base Sony model. Was, Sony was famous for I want to say it was the PS3, the them announcing it at I think four ninety nine, and that was just outlandish. Yeah, it seems so, like everything. Like I remember getting a Nintendo in the eighties; it was like a hundred dollars or something like that. I wonder if that was. I'm not big on inflation and things like that. How how does that well, compare to? I want to say it was the N64 had like eighty dollar games. Hmm. Things have been back and forth on that, but uh, we're we're in an era where, the, and especially uh, those those uh, companies are in a real butt clenching place of uh, in the in Corona land trying to figure out. Mm. You know, you've got uh, unemployment rates are super high. Uh, distribution chains to get the parts for them are real crazy. So I suggest yeah. they eat some rocks and blow it out their butt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, Travis, I think we need to end on that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So, uh, got anything to promote? Us, uh, you know me. I don't do nothing. <laughs> I don't I'm have anything to promote either. Oh, well, actually, I take it back. I, uh, I'm going to be doing. Uh, shows this weekend in Ogden, Utah at the Wise Guys. So if you're listening oh. to this, the week it comes out, Friday, Saturday, come to me in Ogden. It's an all-ages show. So bring bring your kids. Yeah, bring your Tell wife them to wear a mask. Kids. Don't cough on people. Yeah. You, uh, you, uh, you uh, on any other shows this week? You've been you've been hitting a few records here and there. Um, I'm doing I'm doing something with my buddy Patrick Ramirez in L.A. He's trying to do a it's kind of like a, a YouTube podcast type thing where you just talk about random things. We're going to be talking about No Holds Barred. Oh, there you go. So I watched it last Tiny week. Tiny Lister. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it again. <laughs> he just watched it and he's like, I don't remember this movie at all, but I have so many questions. So so we're going to be talking hey. about No Holds Barred. Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to step on anything. So. Uh, What's that smell? Dookie. Oh, duty. <laughs> yeah, a, re- a real cinematic classic. Mm, but it, yes. famous for me from like that was the first place that I saw Tiny Lister. Famous for Debo. Zeus. Yeah, and a lot of great stories. I think there's a. I think there's a Bruce Pritchard episode just on that movie time, you know, specifically. Oh yeah. Yeah, there is. I can't remember. It might, is there? Yeah, there is. Is that where they, they talk a lot about just those kind of things that, uh, they hire actors to be in them that have no idea how to wrestle. And it's kind of like babysitting them for any of those scenes. Cause they, the, the thing about that movie is it has no real connection to actually how wrestling is even portrayed on TV. Oh no, no! Which would right. be which would be fine if it was like somebody that didn't have anything to do with wrestling, but WWF 
at the time are the ones who produced this movie. Like, well, and they, I guess it's because they, they were trying to, bring, to be kayfabe. I don't know. Yeah, because they tried to bring Zeus into the WWE. Well, they WWE. did for a few a few gimmick matches. They brought him in. He wasn't very he wasn't very good at wrestling. But I've told you that that's that's a big complaint about uh, wrestling games is they're kind of fighting games, and that doesn't that there's not really a wrestling game that actually tries to tries to portray what professional wrestling is. I think some of the 2K games, you're doing moves and things like that, and you have to build up to a finisher, and it's more oh, yeah. of a it's more of a like 360 degree world instead of just like face to face combat like a Mortal Kombat. It's just the idea that they they make it like a fight, like these two people are really and I, I've still even, a lot like, of punching uh, and kicking. A lot of like uh, the story mode is the idea that you have they, there's no uh, there's no setups. It's like. Vince McMahon gives you a shot, but to, if you want to make it to the limelight, you've got to beat Powder Keg. Yeah, you're not going to just not. like roll somebody up really quick and win. You got to wear them down. I kind of I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's more like it, it would be interesting if they could somehow develop a game that took into account trying to trying to put on a show, or even better, if there were any way you could make a game based around trying to cut a good promo. Well, I don't know if they're even teaching wrestlers how to cut good promos anymore. So, <laughs> judging by the ones that I see, <laughs> I've been out of the game for a while. Yeah, hey, man, it lives and dies by the cream of the crop promo. The cream of the crop, or excuse me, the cream, cream rises. rises to the top. Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, as per the usual, later to the tater at gmail dot com is where you can get at us if you'd like to. We're always open to being got at. Uh, we would love it if you would subscribe to our show. If you like what you're hearing, we always love those five-star ratings. A one-sentence review helps us get visible. Beyond that, tell your friends. We'd just love to get more listeners. Yeah, word of mouth helps a lot. If you're, if you're enjoying it, you think we're even slightly funny, tell somebody. I know we've got a lot of listeners uh, in Australia and New Zealand now, so I'm pretty excited about that. Good day, listeners. Yeah. Obviously, that's the only thing I knew how to do, and now we probably lost them. I like to think that they listen and laugh at our funny American accents. Yeah. Yeah, these aren't put on, our, our Utah accents. <laughs> you ever consider that you have a Utah accent, Trav? Uh, I don't I don't feel like I do, but I, I think there's a word or two that I say. That, but I don't really say mountain or layton. I, I try to you pronounce go, go the... Go down to the crick? Yeah. Well, my dad <laughs> says crick. We're going to head to the crick, and uh, we're going to... Yeah, what's another one that he says? Go trolling. <laughs> I've always anyway. said creek. It's there's two e's in there. I'm going to pronounce it creek. Yeah. Uh, Blue wave theory is the music that we use for our opening and closing hymns. We appreciate the usage. Uh, you can follow me at Travis Tate Funny on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So hit me up, yo. Check him out. Hit him up. Check him out. Head them on up, move them on down. If we ever start doing stand-up out of town again, maybe I'll be able to go to some towns. Yep, well, Hopefully you know, someday. Things go like they go. Right now I'm pretty local, so which is nice. It's nice that I can at least do stand-up. There's so many stand-ups that I know all over the country that can't do it at all. They're, they're doing Zoom things, and bless their hearts. Bless their hearts with these Zoom stand-up shows. <laughs> they're not for oh, me. Bless those hearts. They, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. 
I was just gonna. One of the things that came out of this whole pandemic was just how much. One of the telling things about just how much celebrities are kind of live and die by attention is all of these reunites for table reads of things. Oh like, yeah. They're doing a just, 30 rock one now. It's like, come on. They so desperately need people. Like they'll, they just want to get on. They want to have an audience. And I assume you can relate is like, they just want to have an audience yeah. so badly. No, I get it. I definitely get it, but they're, they're not good. So, like uh, even get together, get together with your friends and do a mash table read over Zoom. Did you happen to That's see the I'm Parks saying. and Rec one? I didn't, but that was one of the ones that I, I haven't seen any of it. I think the the first one that came to my attention was because um, uh, Cindy absolutely loves Grace and Frankie, and I think it's a great program. But mm-hmm. they did a very early on during the pandemic that they did a table read of one of the episodes they were developing for the next season so i'll at least say this about the parks and rec one it was kind of under the guise of so ben becomes i think a a congressman and uh leslie nope is like director of the interior or something like that in washington so it's her checking in on zoom with all of her friends and you know kind of bringing them in so they have interactions so it's not like they're just sitting there reading a script. They were actually playing the characters over Zoom, which is interesting because like uh, Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza are married in the show, but they're in separate rooms and you can tell they're completely different houses. But that's beside oh, the yeah. point. They at least put it in the guise of there's a story happening and it's the characters and not just the actors reading a script because that's like, oh, why would you want to watch that? I uh, I think I saw something just earlier today about there being a Ghostbusters reunion. Oh Zoom. yeah, I, I think it was Josh Gad that put and that said together. Something like, except for Rick Moranis isn't showing up, and obviously certain people who in no way, shape, or form can be there. The one person in the cast that I want to see what they're up to. I know what everybody else is up to. Dan Aykroyd is making vodka and talking about aliens. Yep, yep, he is. Bill Murray is showing up at people's weddings and singing more than this and being the quirky guy. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, she's still acting. She's still doing a good job. Yeah. You get him, Sigourney Weaver. And then uh, uh, who else is there? Uh, Ernie Hudson, he's still acting too. He gets a lot of work still. Boy, they showed a... They showed a picture of all those guys like high school. I think Bill Murray actually put it on his Facebook, which means it was one of his interns. But uh, <laughs> they put up pictures of like high school pictures of them. And I think the Ernie Hudson one got me pregnant. Like Ernie Hudson was a damn handsome man. Even when Ghostbusters came out, I mean, he was like he was much younger than they were. He was like big and physically like muscular looking, and everybody else is just kind of these schlubby guys. Yeah, like not. Not to say that Ernie Hudson became a homely man, but just like as a young man, I was like, wow, damn, Ernie Hudson. (laughs) All right. Now that you're pregnant by Ernie Hudson. Yes. For the children of Ernie Hudson everywhere and for Dirt Poop and Dwarves. Late to the party with Travis Tate. I'm Jay. And I'm Travis Tate and better Tate than never.